providing real solutions for real industry challenges. Welcome to FNF Unplugged, the talk of the title industry. Brian, thank you so much for joining us here today. Uh, I know you're incredibly busy running, uh, I guess, the largest title and settlement operation in the United States. And, uh, and of course, you're doing it from the comfort of your home on a regular basis, which is part of the things we're going to discuss today. I just wanted to sort of start here, you know, with a, a question we ask most of our guests on our podcast series. Um, very few people have ever said that uh, when their first grade teacher asked them what they wanted to do in life, said they answered, oh, I want to be in the title and settlement industry. How did you get into the title and settlement industry? What brought you into it and brought you to uh, Motown? Chuck, thank you for the invite on the show. Uh, appreciate that. And, and uh, yeah, like you said, uh, not too much of a different story there. I uh, came out of college and soon found out I didn't want to be an accountant. So I thought I'd try this new thing, a national title and settlement service provider and uh, seemed pretty cool. And thought I'd put a couple of years in there and figure out what I really wanted to do. Uh, that was the early 90s, by the way. And uh, here we are in uh, 2021. I'm still trying to figure it out. So you know, once, once you get bit by that title bug, you just get hooked in. So you're right. Didn't come out of college thinking about this. Uh, thought it'd be a short time stop. I'd, I'd learned, learned new industry and watch some folks that were being disruptive back in the nineties. And here we are. Great. You know, and, and yeah, so many people have said exactly that. And uh, same thing with me, you know, I, I was in law school, I needed a job and there was this job called title searching. I said, great. What is that? So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, exactly. So, well, and again, AMROC is, you know, it's a huge operation and uh, you handle transactions for a wide variety of lenders, obviously for Quicken, a significant number of them. But this has been, I think, and I hope in for the future will still be regarded as the most challenging year of the real estate industry. We had uh, an historically dynamic purchase and refinance market, and then coupled with COVID. Coming out of this year, what would you say are your top three? It doesn't have to be three. It could be two or four takeaways of products and processes that really kept things operational in this last year. And of those things, were there things that were surprises to you? Yeah, there's so much, uh, as you mentioned last year, that happened and, and so much to think back on. And, and we talk about it often that you know folks are going to look back and be like, oh, you know, you were here for 2020. And you're going to wear this badge of courage and say, yep, I was. And, and uh, you're going to be revered, right? You're going to be the one that was here. So it, it was a heck of a year. I, you know, I can't say enough about our team and, and what they did through 2020 just, just to be resilient and, and roll with the punches. So, you know, from a takeaway standpoint, I don't think we really you know, went too far from our, our core values of, of flexibility, be flexible, understand what the market need is, understand what's happening, and make sure they're able to deliver those services. And, and you know, 2020 took that to a whole new level because you, you're, you know, literally at the county level uh, trying to find out exactly what was happening with maybe a register of deeds or what was happening in that state with executive orders. Uh, so it provided a lot of curves and, and challenges. And, and like I said, I can't say enough about our team. We've always been an agile development team, but their ability to understand what the problem was, uh, resolve what that was, and continue to deliver services in a safe manner for, for both our panels and for our clients and uh, delivering on our promise was, was amazing. So I don't know if it was surprising, uh, but the level at which the, our teams executed was 
impressive. Uh, so, you know, one of those things that, you know, takeaway was to stay true to your nature of, of being flexible and understanding what the needs are. You know, and another one you think about is that we've always been a tech forward company. Um, so, you know, automate, automate, and then break it and automate it again. Um, really, we, we stayed true to that last year too, finding the efficiencies we could as, as volume went up and making sure that we're continuing to deliver the, the service that we're known for. So, you know, those, those are two things that, you know, I, I think about often is stay true to, to what you know and, and what we know is being that flexible and, and delivering an automated solution where you can and, and using automation and data to, to make decisions to, to let computers do what they do great, let people do what they do great, marry those two things together and pretty good chance you're going to have a successful operation. I'll just say here that uh, when we've talked to people over this last year and uh, most people, when this sort of question is asked, the, the response is first, well, you know, we, we did a lot of RON transactions, which you weren't doing before, or we did RIN, or we did a, more, a lot more, you know, electronic closings, or we put up plexiglass and so forth. But you led with your people. That was the, what you said. Yeah. And, and I think that's very impressive. And AMROC, well, the entire organization at Rock, I mean, is famous for its culture. In fact, I just saw an article recently where a guy said, I was so impressed reading the Netflix culture manifesto that uh, they put together. And then I found out that a guy named Dan Gilbert was writing a book and I still have a copy of isms that 20 years predate (laughs) what Netflix was doing. And the old uh, story that allegedly Peter Drucker said, culture eats strategy for breakfast, that culture. Could you dig a little deeper on that about how that culture and what that did? Maybe even give us a couple of examples of things come to mind where, you know, people uh, came up with the solutions to problems that uh, maybe someone hadn't even thought what the nature of the problem was yet. Yeah, it's like, it's, it's so true. Um, you know, our products and services are just that. They're products and services. It's, it's what we do. It's not who we are. And our isms lead to who we are. And, and as you mentioned, you know, these isms have been here since the beginning. There's been tweaks and there's been ads, but the core of what they do and what they establish for an aligned company and, and the ability to communicate on just about any topic. And, you know, I look at drop all 20 on you here, but because uh, they all apply to everything you did, but you know, obsessed with finding a, a better way. And you think about last year, um, you had to be obsessed with finding a better way. It was just so much coming at you. You had to be able to, you know, to drop another one, you know, ignore the noise. There was a lot of things going on and it could get you distracted and it could pull you in different directions and understand what's noise, what's important, um, what's a better way and, and just execute on it. So that's really who we are. Again, products and services are product and service. So but when you have that culture, it doesn't really matter what the problem is um, because if you're one team and you're ready to solve it, there's nothing more powerful than that. And I say that all the time. That, that's our superpower. Our superpower is our ability to communicate effectively throughout our team, align our team to go in a direction and allow, as you mentioned, ideas to come from everywhere. Um, that's really something that's been important to us this last year, year and a half. And I, not that it was important before, but we just continue to focus on you know, it's not this core group of these five run the company and they tell everybody what to do. It's such a crazy philosophy. Um, but it's really about making sure that you've got input from everywhere, no matter what that decision is. And I think that's what you saw a lot of our teams doing together, just pulling groups together. Here's our problem. <laughs> How do we want to solve it? So get all the ideas out there, filter through them, decide what is best, execute on that problem, move to the next one. And not all those are problems, just, you know, opportunities that we saw uh, to take advantage of those and, and, 
without that culture, I can't imagine trying to do that. I, I can't imagine trying to align everybody with the changes that we had to put in place, um, how quickly we had to move. Again, I'll go back to the resilience of that team. Again, not a surprise, but when you get an opportunity to take a breath, look back and, and just watch it happen, it's pretty impressive. It's, it's, it's just, you're honored and, and, and glad to be a part of it. Um, I just happen to carry a, the title right now, but it's just being a part of that team's amazing. I agree so much. And everybody that we've ever spoken with on these podcasts or anywhere, and, and you deal with some of the largest, uh, especially attorney agents uh, in a lot of states who uh, assist you on uh, fulfillment uh, in those states. And, and they're all culture driven. And uh, if you have that culture, everything else can just flow from it. Your solutions flow from it. When you have a question as to there's a problem, what do we do? Your answer is probably already in front of you. That's right. Uh, and, and we say that all the time, Chuck, is if you're stuck, look at the isms. One of those will help you. And, you know, during COVID, you know, do the right thing, um, you know, came up quite often. It's like, well, what's the right thing to do here? We figured it out. And, and there's really no other choice at that point. You just do the right thing. That, that is one of our isms. Dan Gord has said this before. He didn't create the philosophy, didn't, didn't create anything new, just packaged it in a way that people could digest it, understand it, and, and have a common set of goals, common set of communication that can happen through the organization so quickly because you can always go back to those isms. It really is true, Chuck. The answer is always in front of you if, if you allow it to be. And we went back to them often last year about, you know, this problem sounds like an ism we have. So let's get that in our heads. Let's think about how we would approach this and let's think about how we solve this. That's what we did throughout last year. And again, no different than we've done year after year after year. Um, last year, just put a little more uh, speed to that game and uh, love to see that happen. And that's what we're talking about now is, how do you keep that decision-making moving at the same speed that you did in 2020? Um, how do you keep that same drive that you did in 2020 to, to get it done? And uh, that, that's what we want to carry into these, these new years, 2021 and forward, and how we'll continue to deliver for our clients. Well, and that sort of leads me to my next question, too, or, or topic. I think it was Woodrow Wilson who said the only thing more difficult than going from a peacetime economy to a wartime economy is going from a wartime economy to a peacetime economy. And as we come out of COVID, what do you see as far as the things that will remain of the improvements, the changes, the things that came to be or came to be faster and I mean, some of these things were already going. I mean, you know, I think you and I were on a panel about remote online notarization three, four years ago, something like that. And, and for many people, it was like, you know, they're hearing that there was life on Mars. But uh, now, you know, discussion of Ron, the number of states, it's changed so much. What do you and, and Ron's just one example. But, but what do you see, you know, on, on a go forward here as we. And I say come out of COVID. I'm not sure what that exactly means. It's a slow transition, but it's certainly not going to be what we had last year. What do you see as far as moving forward into 2021? Yeah, I, you know, you touched on a couple already and, and you know, talking about Ron and, and digital closings. And uh, we've been fortunate to lead the industry for a number of years on digital closings. And, and really what we saw, again, that decision making getting a little clearer in 2020 for, you know, whatever the stakeholder may be about the importance of being able to do these things digitally being able to you know, deliver on that, that service level. So I, I, I think there's a continuation on there. We're seeing a lot in the industry right now of putting the right building blocks in place. And, and we're fortunate to work with, as you mentioned, a number of different lenders that are just getting started. And we've got that experience and kind of help them put those blocks in place. So I'm excited to see those pieces, you know, all getting aligned now. So we really are going to see a true end-to-end -end digital closing. 
So moving away from that, just the digital closing part, like I said, we've been, we've been doing that for a while, continue to grow, but really for us, it's, it's speed of the game. Mentioned that once already and how you use decision-making throughout that entire process to ensure that you're delivering as quickly as possible with the same level of quality and service that you always have. And we see that in all aspects from the time you get an order to the time that, that you're issuing a final policy. How do you use the information, the data that's so widely available now? How do you use that to make decisions? And again, coming back to allow, allow the computer to do what it does really well, get the right things in front of the humans that they do really well, marry those two things together. And that's really you know, where I see our industry continuing to go forward. We're not always the, uh, the quickest to adopt new technology. As you mentioned three years ago, we were, we were talking about this, maybe a little bit longer for me uh, on, on this trail. So you know, I, I, I think that uh, we're going to have to see that continued movement forward. Um, we love some of the things that, that we got done last year, and we just want to build on that platform, continue to move forward in that digital space and really think about an end-to-end solution that, that is capable of delivering with speed, delivering with accuracy, you know, using all the data that's available to us. That's the movement that I see continuing to happen. And, and you've got a, a lot of new startups that, that are out there and, and really challenging the, the old norms, which we absolutely love. Love to see that. Um, makes us all think a little bit differently. And I think that's important. Well, yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, something that you touched on, too, about and I'll put it this way. You didn't put it quite in these words, but like knowing where you are so you know where you're going. And uh, this is something at FNF that we've been a uh, shameless plug here. We've been working with some of our uh, agents to assist them in doing things like establishing metrics and, you know, pulling their data, which they have. They just need to find that. How critical, I mean, obviously you run a huge organization. So, um, you know, knowing where you are here today on, you know, March 23rd is going to tell you where you're going to be even as re- as close as March 26th or September 26th. Um, what, how critical and how much usage do you think that uh, relying on your, you know, your own data polls and your metrics and your key performance indicators, the level of critical need, what does that mean? Do you think? It's an interesting dichotomy, right? Because you can get lost in the numbers and you get lost in the, you know, just in the rabbit holes of, of numbers and spreadsheets and the spreadsheet tells me to do this and that's what I'm going to do. And, I, you know, I, I think that's maybe um, some lessons learned over years that, that different companies have fallen into that space. For us, it's really a combination of both. Um, numbers and metrics have to be there. You have to be able to see your business. You have to be able to tell the story about your business. And, and the way we think about it is every team leader is running a business. So when we say your business, we mean a team leader. They've got to be able to, to see their business, tell a story about their business, understand what's important. And that's you know step one. Step two is working in your business, not on your business. Um, so we had so many folks this year that, that jumped in and, and you know, a great story is our technologists Sometimes we're moonlighting at night and doing some of those functions that, that we needed help with as volume came in quicker than maybe we were ready for. And they came back with such knowledge. They're like, oh, do you believe it works this way? I was like, yeah, because you build it that way, to, if you remember. And they're like, well, that didn't work for the user. Um, so, you know, the metrics could have told us we were doing great there. Could have been all green across the board. Uh, but the user experience is what we learned so much and understanding how to make that better. And, and again, if we use data to do that and deliver the right decision for the individual, then that individual gets more engaged in there. So, you know, as, as crazy as 2020 was, we look back often and say, you know, there's a lot of valuable lessons learned there that probably would have taken us years to do. But when, when you're forced in those decisions, you make those decisions quicker, you figure out what's important. 
So you use a balance of, of data, vision, understanding, and then absolutely understand your users, what's going on, on the floor, how, how their sentiment is about what's going there. It's the best information you can use. Um, we often do that in, in our meetings. I mentioned that earlier is that, you know, if, if you're in a meeting and you're not pulling somebody in that's doing that job every day, everyone just has an opinion. Um, that's not really what's happening. I can, I can look at workflows with the best of them, but and that gives me an idea. Um, it, it only creates the curiosity that you should have to ask the user about how's that, how's that really working for you? And you'll find out real quick whether that workflow is perfect or not, or really reflects what's happening. So I don't ever want to say that, that metrics aren't important. They're 100% important. You have to understand your metrics have to be able to tell your story of your business. But if you're not combining that with, you know, the experience, what's really happening, what your clients are experiencing, then you're probably going to make some decisions that, that aren't aligned with um, where you need to go. Well, and uh, yes, to your point there, you know, the, the user experience, yeah, you think you're doing everything right, and then you find out your customers aren't happy. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's the old, the old story, the dog food company executive who in the big meeting says, uh, well, you know, our net profit is way up, people cheer, and our delivery time is way up, people cheer. But uh, our gross sales are dropping. Everybody's silent. And it's like, can anybody explain this? And one guy raises and he says, yeah, the dogs won't eat the stuff. <laughs> and, you know, and that's, that's, sort of the, that's sort of the common sense issue, isn't it? <laughs> it is, uh, it's so interesting how many things come back to just common sense. Um, they get difficult. And, and once you dig in, there's, there's always difficult decisions. But if you, if you just lift your head up for a moment, it really does come back to that common sense understanding. Um, you know, love your people, love your clients everything else kind of falls in place after that. Yeah. One of the isms that I've always liked is just return your calls. <laughs> just yeah. call, 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 call people back. So, uh, and, and you talked about, you know, your teams and, uh, and I think, you know, regardless whether someone's running a, a company with 20 employees or in your case, thousands of employees to create those teams and empower those people sort of talking backwards about sort of the culture. What are your thoughts about that and the value of that? It's, you know, you can't put a value on it. It's, it really is, you know, love your people, love your clients. We've been doing so much learning as a leadership team and understanding, you know, the, the new value proposition for, for team members, understanding, having a voice and in, in, in having your opinion matter um, and understanding how to uh, take that in. The things that we're talking about right now is, you know, we're great at saying what we're going to do. Um, what I think we're learning is that we've really got to say what we're not going to do. Set that expectation, create certainty. Uh, we're humans. We don't always love change. We don't always love uncertainty. Um, so if you get comfortable being uncomfortable, then, then things start to flow really well. So if you're communicating effectively and delivering the information that's needed, you know, right person, right stakeholder, right time, you start to get that alignment. As crazy as it were, I pick a word for myself every year. You know, last year was certainty. I think I may have picked the wrong word in, in 2020. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, you know, that didn't, didn't work out so well, but, uh, you know, this year I'm really thinking about alignment. It really is being able to communicate effectively what we're going to do, how we're going to do it and, and how we get there. And again, I think that's been a superpower of ours over the years. I think we can just take that to another notch and have the open conversations. We've been listening to a lot of, of, of different leadership coaches right now through uh, something called book club. We go through books together as, as a whole leadership group. It's been a great experience for us and learning how to rumble with vulnerability so that we can have those hard conversations without the emotions getting too much in the way and understanding how that would impact somebody and um, making sure that we're, we're both okay on the other side of it and we're aligned and ready to go. So that's for me is alignment is most important because that's when I think we're most powerful. 
I agree. I, I've often thought that some, you know, clarity is one of the most important things you can have. And uh, even if you make a mistake, at least you clearly understand why you did it. <laughs> and, so, you know, and, and correct it very quickly because there's clarity as versus uh, some sort of fog. But yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, your, your company, as far as uh, how your people come together and how they work, uh, is extraordinary. It's an example to the entire industry. And again, I think whether you have 20 people or, or thousands of people, but, you know, coming back to a little bit about technology, because, um, of course, as the old adage goes, you know, don't just simply rely on technology because pretty much everybody's got it. It's a question of how good it is. And, uh, you know, what do you see in terms of we've seen an awful lot of, I'll use the term disruption. Uh, it's not really necessarily disruption. Some of it is just evolution or maybe a little more on the revolutionary side. But we've seen just in the last few months, a lot of companies coming, a lot of vertical integrations coming in with uh, companies uh, such as ICE doing some major acquisitions. You know, what do you see that sort of technological flow? Because I know that you guys do chart this out occasionally on the whiteboard about, and now what happens next? And by the way, who's in charge of that? What do you see, you know, as we move into 2021, do you think the technological applications and the uh, drive in the industry, do you think it's going to be as fast as it was last year, faster? And in what direction? Yeah, that's a lot of questions, by the way. I know. <laughs> I mean, I realized that after I asked it. So I'll just lay back for a few minutes. <laughs> yeah, I, I, so speed, I, we mentioned that already speed, the game is so important. But, you know, I think using your data and understanding what you're looking at, the profile that you're looking at, when you look at a loan profile coming through and it's, you know, rate and term refi, you may have done this loan a couple of times in the last couple of years. Even last year, we saw people coming back around just a few months apart. Um, being able to use that type of data, understanding, be able to pull what you already know about those clients and, and move that forward, I think is so important. And that's really how we think about our data is understand the profile that's coming in our door and then get it on the right path, get it in the right swim lane and, and let it go through that swim lane and, and you know have your exit ramps when, when you run into a bump in the road. It's really what we talk about using our technology and using our humans for exactly what they're good at is allowing that to, to move through those swim lanes. We've always been a tech forward company. So, you know, it, we're in a unique scenario, I think, sometimes tech forward, but risk averse. So try to blend those two things together and understand exactly what you're getting into, do your due diligence, make sure that you understand the outcomes. You know, there's no shortcuts, in my opinion, so do the hard work. We've always talked about start small, um, you know, big ideas, start small, scale fast. So we really love thinking that way, run proof of concepts learn what it does, uh, make your adjustments, and then scale fast is, is how we think about it. So the technology that comes along with that is really the, what we're seeing is the, the integrations and tying so many different things together, whether you're talking about you know, e-vaults or, or whether you're talking about um, different ways of understanding public record information and what you can validate through different sources. Uh, so it's the combination of all these different areas that have information that could be helpful to what you do in your business being able to draw that in, that information into a logic-based system that's able to look at that and make some decisions and, and point in the right direction. That I see is continuing to grow. I don't know if the speed will grow. I know for us, it's, it's, it's got to continue to grow fast. I think the industry is hungry for it. You, know, you hear lenders now talking about how long should a closing really take and, and not what we used to know, but what's real. 
And when you really break it down, you know, what should this take and, and what should it take for that experience for that client and, and what their, whether it's purchase, whether it's a refi. And so I think that technology has to play in there to be able to meet those expectations. SC is continuing to learn how to use uh, different sources of information, make the best decision we can based on that source of information and apply that all, all the way through it. You know, we think about the way that we move money. There's been so much changing in banking in the last couple of years and, and how you're able to move money and so much fraud in our industry because we may have been a little bit slow to, to moving into those more technology advanced ways. That's got to pick up. You can't leave yourself exposed like that as an industry where you will get exploited. And, and we have over the last couple of years, if you think about it, you know, wire fraud's not new to the world. It just, you know, still taking advantage of those who, who, who haven't closed those gaps yet. So when you think about things like that, you've got to be using technology to, to close those gaps. You've got to be able to communicate effectively with the right people. You've got to be able to move money in a way that, that is um, that's protected and it is expected. Well, I think, uh, say, for my long-winded question, you gave a very able and very concise answer. So thank, <laughs> thanks so much in regard to that. And, and say, you know, I, I want to thank you again uh, for, you know, for being here today with us and, you know, and talking about uh, your views on things. Uh, say, it's been, uh, it's been an exciting 12 months. I look forward to us all getting together again and seeing each other face-to-face, whether it is in the great city of Detroit uh, or at a convention or trade association show. Uh, so uh, really look looking forward to that is versus just uh, us talking to each other from our living rooms. <laughs> yeah. It'll, it'll, it'll be the new norm because this has been going on <laughs> for so long, right? It'll, it'll, it'll unique. I know I'm in the office uh, several days a week with, with our team that's there. And, you know, it's, it, it is interesting that, uh, you, you know, you're splitting time again now and, and just thinking about it in a different way. And, and uh, you know, the city of Detroit and, and seeing activity back in the city again, so exciting. So, um, you know, we're excited for 2021 and, and whatever it brings us and, and moving forward into the, the 2022 and, and continuing to deliver. I want to thank you guys for great partnership over the years and certainly being invited on the show and have an opportunity to just talk shop a little bit. Brian, thank you so much for your time. And again, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you face to face here in the, in the very near future. Yes, hopefully so. If you have questions, comments, or would like us to feature a specific topic, email fnfeducation at fnf.com. Thanks for downloading FNF Unplugged, a presentation of the FNF family of companies. All rights reserved. This podcast is being provided for informational purposes only. The podcast is not a comprehensive overview of the subject and is not intended to provide legal or financial advice or an endorsement of any product or business. The views expressed by podcast guests are their own, and their appearance on the podcast does not imply any endorsement of them or any entity they represent, including Fidelity National Financial or its directors. Please seek legal or financial advice before taking any action on the matters or products discussed herein.